0: Welcome to the first edition of the Daily Mayhem. I am your host Jack Package. We are glad you've joined us. We've got an exciting show for you today. We're going to get right into it with our first guest, the founder and creator behind the mayhem, Mr. Dave Dwyer, the originator of the Myrtle Mayhem event. Dave, welcome to our show.
1: Jack, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here, and to find out I'm the one that's kicking off this whole podcast, I mean, I I couldn't be more humbled and excited, so I'm ready to get into it.
0: (laughs) Well, listen, I mean, who better to host or guest on our first episode besides the guy who came up with the mayhem? I know you probably had some help with it, but uh, we are so excited to dive into the story tonight. So let's get after it, man. Dave, for the uninitiated in our audience, and there's a lot of people out there that are listening, can you tell me in your own words really briefly, what exactly is Myrtle Mayhem?
1: So Myrtle Mayhem is an annual golf event. I stress event that we started back in 2006, and and typically it's held in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We did hold one in Pinehurst, North Carolina, but for the most part, it's a Myrtle Beach event. It's made up of a group of completely and totally average golfers that engage in a four-day Ryder Cup-style tournament. Currently, we're a group of 12, two teams of six. Uh, Points are awarded for winning the front nine, back nine, and overall for each match. Most matches are now doubles matches. Uh, team with the most accumulated points wins a really crappy trophy and the thrill of victory for the next 12 months. Um, Myrtle Mayhem is an event that lasts five days but is anticipated for the remaining 360. Um, I'm not quite sure who came up with the Myrtle Mayhem name. It's probably Alan. Um, we didn't use it for the first few years. Uh, the original name was the Uncivil War, and it was called Myrtle Madness for a couple of years. Myrtle Mayhem showed up in about year three or four and was kind of co-branded with the war at the shore. Um, but certainly it was in 2013 that we really started branding everything consistently as, as Myrtle Mayhem.
0: So, I think you know the best way to describe that. It sounds like the mayhem name. It just really organically uh, sort of derived from the uh, the antics of the week, shall we say? You think that's fair?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it too is we always go down for the most part in March. um, March Madness is going on, and the madness of the NCAA tournament kind of matched up with the madness of this event where we're all so fairly closely together and skill level that anything can happen at any time. So it was always just mayhem. It's impossible to predict what's going to happen Um, from day to day, forget (laughs) year to year, shoot day to day. You don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to beat who. So I I think, yeah, organically mayhem just fits what this event's all about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And there's the, the alliteration, right? March madness and Myrtle mayhem. Mm -hmm. I think it does go hand in hand. So that's fantastic. So you said it's been going on since 2016. I know that the event has grown in size. So who were the original crew? Who were the original Mayhemers that joined you on this endeavor?
1: Yeah, so back in the early 2000s, um, we were all in our mid to late 30s, a bunch of little kids running around and desperately looking for a way to get out of the house. So going on a golf trip sounded like a, a great idea. I think initially it was myself, Danny Marsh, and Alan Evans kind of started – trying to get some concrete plans around this. And it really came together when Danny came home from work one day and said, hey, I got a buddy who's got a house down in Myrtle Beach. He said, let let us have it for cheap. And we're like, boom, all right, we got a place to stay, the the rest should be easy. So once we had the house, we had to figure out eight guys who could get away from their house, whose wives were letting them out the door. So We were trying to get a combination of high school and college buddies um, to get together to not only make it a golf trip, but kind of an annual reunion. The original eight, or as we call them, the OGs, consisted of myself, Alan Evans, Danny Marsh, Rick Moran, Mike Kelleher, Ken Preedy, Eric Gruner, and Aaron Sachs. Alan, Danny, and Aaron went all, all went to high school together. Alan and Mike were college roommates. Mike and Eric went to high school together. Rick and myself went to high school together, and Ken was just some random dude that Alan worked with. Um, but all of us were pretty, pretty tightly integrated into everyone's lives at that point. You know, we were best men in weddings, groomsmen in weddings, godfathers to kids, neighbors, etc. Um, I even think I'm pretty sure that you were one of the original invitees, but you thought a NASCAR race in Vegas was a better option for you, so you could have been one of the OGs.
0: You know, listen, depending on the year, some of those years were productive, and some of those years I could have paid for everybody's trip to Myrtle with my (laughs) trip to Vegas. So I probably, uh, let's say, mistakes were made even back then.
1: Sure. You didn't Uh, know what it was to become.
0: (laughs) I never did, no, and I uh, regret having missed out on the beginning. So you told us who the original crew was. Danny got the original house. You went from a crew of eight, so I I know that the event has grown over the years and shrunk over the years, and you know it's a challenge to get 16 or 8 or 12 guys to get uh, away from families uh, around this time of the year, but how has the event grown? Give me just the scope from eight guys to where it's gone.
1: Yeah, we started at eight. We were at eight for the first couple years, Um, and then we wanted to grow it to get people like you in it and Tim McCann and some other guys, so we're like, we want to go to 12, but we need a bigger house so um shoot we didn't have the house that house wasn't big enough for eight so we found another house that could more easily accept 12 and added four more and we stuck at 12 for probably two or three years and then it just became popular people wanted in and we thought we could fill it to 16 so we went to 16 and we were at 16 for a while Um, and then 16 became problematic for a bunch of reasons one of which is just there was always somebody dropping in or out we were pulling people in at the last minute there yes, wasn't continuity yes. um so we made the decision a tough decision about three years ago to cut it back to 12. um and that wasn't without hurt feelings and you know people not being happy with some of the decisions we made but we got to what i consider a core 12 that are committed to it they're going to be here every year um and every once in a while somebody will need to drop out from that core 12 and we've got a couple of really good backups in place to, to take care of them. But right now we're at 12 and I don't see us changing from 12 anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I agree. 12 feels like a really good number. Dave, I, you know, I, one thing I, I think we forgot to mention, uh, alcohol, is there any alcohol consumed on the golf course while we're playing?
1: A little bit. I mean, we've got some interesting rules that kind of accentuate our natural, uh, drinking capabilities. I mean, like I, I said, we're very average golfers. So we looked for ways to kind of accentuate our game and came up with what is a fairly unique rule um, and, and a rule that has become an integral part of, of Myrtle Mayhem, and that is the shotgun mulligan, which says yes. any participant can take a mulligan from the tee box at any time by chugging a 12-ounce beer prior to the mulligan. <laughs> so, you know, for a long time, it was unlimited mulligans, and it was, I mean, if you want to know where the mayhem Uh, title came from. I mean, it might as well have been from the shotgun mulligans. I mean, for a long time, they were completely unlimited. Um, You know, we weren't really, when we first introduced it, we had shotgun mulligans from day one, but no one really wanted to go down that road. We all felt, look, we're bad enough. The last thing we need to do is be shotgun at a beer. It's not going to help our games. But at some point around 2007, 2008, we started tampering with it. And then 2009, we went all in on it. And that continued for a three-year run of darkness, basically. Um, 2009 to 2012, the shotgun mulligans were bigger than the event itself. Um, Just some numbers from that time period. Uh, In 2009, Alan and Tim McCann did seven shotguns on a single hole. They were partners on the hole, and they did seven. So they took nine shots on a par three, even though they already had they had a ball on the green, and they just wanted to get closer, which they never did. Seven shotguns later, never got closer. Used that original ball. Greg McCarthy. That's an the
0: t- excuse. They wanted to drink.
1: Right, and they got it. In 2012, Greg McCarthy did 14 shotguns in a single round and then hit a six-foot putt on the last hole three feet, uh, which we have video of and is on the website. Um, I do
0: remember that. That was fantastic.
1: Rick Moran and I did 22 shotgun Mulligans in a single round combined. I did 13. He did nine. We lost that match, not surprisingly. Um, And in 2012, the Honey Badgers, as a team of six, did 67 shotgun mulligans in a single round so they averaged on that round eight about eight shotguns a person and it's it just goes to show how embedded it became in the group um i mean we were just everybody had to do them you felt the pressure ken pretty hated doing shotgun mulligans but he felt the pressure like if he didn't put something out in the fairway and his partner put one in the woods And his partner had already drunk six or seven beers, and Kenny had none. He felt the pressure to do it. So even Kenny was drinking five or six in a round. Um, So it was a combination of things that kind of forced us to to maybe rethink it. And it was due to a lot of things. Slow play on a par three where you're taking nine shots as a team. That slows down the groups behind you. (laughs) Yes. Especially Especially when you're already on the green. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that was a big issue. Um, we had some poor behavior out of that. We talked um, beforehand about the hot dog incident. I think that came out of the mulligans. Um, and just a growing dependence on it. People just used them, even if they didn't need to. So we cut it back in 2013, cut it back a couple times since. They're still available. We still have them. Um, you can still shotgun up to six um, beers in a, in a round. So they're not gone, certainly. And I can guarantee that in some form, as long as I'm involved, they will always be a part of the event, even if it's a ceremonial shotgun on the first hole. But it, it truly overtook the entire event for a three-year period.
0: <laughs> well, it belongs in mayhem. And uh, I stand with you, Dave. I stand beside you. The shotgun mulligan will never leave Myrtle. Uh, it is become uh, a, an integral part of the mayhem um one other question has anybody ever been hospitalized with all this drinking on the golf
1: course <laughs> no one has. everybody okay no one has ever been hospitalized but we did have one participant i won't say this person's name but um he had some acid reflux issues as a result of the <laughs> poor eating and and excessive drinking on this trip and basically opted out of the trip going forward as a result of it. So that, that was as close as we came to a casualty.
0: Uh, and by the way, you mentioned the hot dog incident earlier. It may get its entire own episode of the podcast. We'll have to see how that goes. I'm not sure how much uh, the participants on that uh, hot dog incident want to reveal or want to uh, continue to talk about, but Let's move on, Dave. Thank you for the uh, recap and the the Myrtle uh, uh, mayhem uh, history. Tragically, Dave, 2020 has come to be known as the year without mayhem. So many of us sacrificed so much due to COVID. Can you explain how it felt last year to come back and triumphantly return the mayhem to Surfside Beach, South Carolina?
1: Yeah, I tell you what, um, COVID hit in early 2019, um, and we were on pins and needles really up to about four days before the event started, just kind of watching the news, figuring out if we could get away with it, trying to convince ourselves that it wouldn't be too bad if we went down and did it. The golf courses were open, the realty place was going to let us have the house, um, and it really came down to the last couple days, and we're like, you know, this is too much of a risk let's um, let's pull back from it. We got all our money back. So we just decided we postponed. And we ended up going to Pinehurst that year later in the year. But the next year, going back to Surfside Beach, and still somewhat under COVID, but it just, I mean, to to be in that environment again, where everything, I mean, we've been at that house in Surfside Beach for You know, off and on for about 10 years now and that neighborhood and the bars and restaurants and even the people that we see on a year to year basis to get back into that environment was so fantastic. I mean, it it feels like home to go back there and to have missed it for, you know, to be gone for two full years. You wanted to see what happened. You didn't, you know, there's so much going on in the world and we hadn't been there for two years and we we show up and you're like, what's it going to be like? And for the most part, it was pretty much the same. There's a, a a new restaurant. I always we always get excited about new restaurants, um, and and some things had changed, but fundamentally, I mean, Ham and Neal's was still there. River City Cafe was still there. Um, You know, all the Scotty's Beach Bar, all the familiar haunts were there. Scotty's
0: Beach Bar. Hey, shout out to my girl, Allison Plummer, the bartender at uh, Scotty's Beach Bar. Love the town, love the community. It was great people, and it was. It felt good getting back to Surfside, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it definitely did. And and um, to get back into those places, because there's so much history in all those places, all the crazy shit that we've done. Over the years, in some of those places, you just relive it every time you go back in. And then we're creating new shenanigans every year in those places, and it just builds. So it, it was fantastic to get back there.
0: It did. I agree with you. It felt fantastic. You know, I know, Dave, I know golf fans around the world are listening to this podcast right now. Many of them consider the players at Sawgrass to be the fifth major. And I've heard some talk uh, that many, many people are now considering Myrtle Mayhem to be like the sixth major. It's rivaling the Waste Management Open uh, as the people's major. Your thoughts?
1: Look, I'll tell you, I, I look at Waste Management, and I I feel like they looked at us before they planned their event. I mean, it's a true people's event. You're there to have fun, to be loud, to be brash, um, you know, to get excited, to scream at a ball to get in the water. That's for you, Kenny. and. Uh, <laughs> you know, to, to say, eat shit and die after your partner makes a 60 foot putt. I mean, that's how we live Myrtle. So, you know, waste management is my favorite event because it reminds me so much of Myrtle. They make that into match play and I'm going to start looking at them for copyright infringement. But I mean, they do a great job of waste management. Look, let me tell you the thing thing about Myrtle Mayhem is it's an invitational. You don't get to roll up. You don't get to qualify. You got to be asked to join this event. So to me, fifth major, I don't know, people can quibble about that. But I'll say this, it's an event people want to be a part of, and not everyone can be. Not everyone can hoist that trophy over their head and have beer poured on them like we do. So, you know, people want a piece of that action. You know, Jordan, Justin, you want in, let, let me know, give me a call, and maybe we'll make an exception and expand to 16 to let you in the door.
0: Yeah, I think we could probably talk about that. I don't, you know, I'm not sure how excited the whole crew would be about that. But uh, those guys seem like good guys. I think they <laughs> might fit in. So uh, I'd be, I'd be up for at least a conversation about it. And, anyway, and... I'd like to recognize you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, well, just one last thing. There's one man that has an open invitation at any point. I'll kick somebody off the event. John Daly wants to show up and come to this event. I'll kick somebody out, and every the other eleven of us or the other ten of us will be super happy that that guy's gone because we got John Daly. So, John Daly, if you're listening to this, you probably are, give me a ring, and we'll get you in. I would give
0: up my spot. I'd caddy for Daly just to be there, and uh, I'd sleep on the couch. He could have the single room downstairs on the first floor. John Daly, I'm throwing that out to you. That's a challenge. All right, Dave, I want to recognize you for all the hard work you've put in behind the scenes through the years uh, in building and growing this wonderful event. You must have some fond memories through all the years of the fun. Can you walk us through your top two or three memories of mayhem that just stand out?
1: Well, Let's start from three to one. Uh, so number three on my all-time kind of memories from Myrtle, uh, number three is any time I can beat Kenny. So we have a semi-healthy rivalry um, there's a lot of, of, <laughs> of, bad blood that has occurred over the years. Kenny and I are in a great place right now, and I'm really happy about that, but there were years that we were not in a good place. Um, and so anytime I can be Kenny, it's great. I mean, it helps that I have a career record of 10, and two against him, but you know, approximately, we, right. <laughs> we were almost always on opposite teams. We've only played on the same team twice, and that's recently in 17 and 18, we were on the same team and we lost both times. So I blame Kenny as the bad luck charm. So, uh, but yeah, anytime I can beat Kenny is a good year and, and something I'm excited about. Uh, number two, one of the, I mean, Myrtle Mayhem is an event. Like I said, at the very beginning, yes, we play golf, but we have a ton of other stuff going on. If we have time, Johnny, we'll get into this, but um One of the many things we do is we have a cornhole event. We've had a cornhole event for the last 10 years, probably. And you know me. I love cornhole. I'm a big player. I think I'm pretty good. Um, And, you know, I got in the finals a bunch of times, could never get over the hump and win. I had some really ugly first-round losses and got bounced, which were embarrassing. But in 2020, uh, my boy Aaron Sachs and I came through and won the, the cornhole championship, and that was a tremendous feeling to get that monkey off my back. So obviously, <laughs> that that's a big memory. That's number two. Um, but number one is easy. And and you're you were a front a front row uh, spectator for this sinking the winning putt on the last hole of the last day to complete the largest team comeback in Myrtle Mayhem history and seal the victory for my team uh, in 2021 i'm certainly not me
0: by the way You're still upset about this against me
1: look johnny i am i'm not the best golfer in the group i think everyone knows that but to come through that day when it mattered was the best feeling ever i mean uh i don't remember walking off that 18th green because i think i was floating i mean it, it was fantastic i'll always remember that um sorry it had to come against you but uh that That is easily my number one uh, most fond memory of of Myrtle Mayhem.
0: Yeah, I mean, on that same hole, Dave, uh, again, that, that did happen against me, but on that same hole, I think I sank a 60-foot putt that my partner yelled, eat, shit, and die, and I think that sealed a victory for my team uh, yeah. seven years or so before that, so I know the exact feeling, and I absolutely uh, – I would expect no less than you putting that at the top, and that was an interesting. hole. that that's another one that we could dive into at a at a, at a
1: oh my god at a
0: later episode because we didn't want to know if the event had been closed out. Uh, the other two teams on my side, or the other two, my other uh, two twosomes, all they needed was a point. We had secured a, a, a minimum of a split in our match. If either of the other two groups had even split a nine, we win the entire event. Both of the other teams got swept. We got uh, halved by your putt on 18. A great nip-top match came right down to the wire. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I'll I, I tell you this. Uh, it hurts to lose, but I couldn't have lost to a better guy, and that was a lot of fun. So uh, And meaningful golf right to the end, the very last putt at Myrtle. Uh, that, that, that carried me over for a year and, uh, probably it's probably driven a couple of practice rounds too, because, uh, I know, I know we're excited to get back into it. Yeah. Um, it was, it was good times, a great top three list. Uh, you know, I want to move on. I I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we got a big, uh, some big sporting events on TV tonight and we probably got to get the kids to bed, but, uh, I want to close out the interview with a little segment that I call on the range. And it's just a word association. I'm going to throw a word out to you. I just want you real quick to fire back the first word that comes to mind. You don't know this list. I haven't given this to you yet, so uh, I don't want to throw too many curveballs at you. But I'm going to start with one. It's not maybe one word, a little phrase here, but the Prince William County Ballpark.
1: Memories. Oh, just flooded with memories. Memories. as you know, it's where we uh, we met and, and spent a ton of time working single A baseball, um, shilling beer and hot dogs and uh, growing up um, the best.
0: Now you used to sell beer. <laughs> I'm just gonna call you out on this. Give me one of those cold beers, Dave. Let me, let me hear it again. Cool, let me hear it.
1: Yeah. So uh, I always hated <laughs> I always hated bending and having to to you know yell into the crowd. So I, I, had, I said the same thing every time the same way, and see if I can recreate it. Cold Bear! Just over and over again. Cold <laughs> Bear!
0: I'm, I'm 22 years old, and I'm drinking bush from a st- plastic cup there in, uh, in Prince William County again. Right. That's
1: if you got the good stuff. <laughs>
0: That's right. You never <laughs> knew which, which keg you were hitting uh, that night. So uh, how about this one? Doughboys.
1: Oh, what is her name? I, I just remember I know. the name of the waitress. That, that Sonia. Yes, yeah, Sonia, that one of our group was infatuated with, you know, for his protection and safety. I won't say any more, but yes, if you say Doughboys, I'm going to think of Sonia. <laughs> uh,
0: Doughboys, a pizza joint somewhere down in the, in the Myrtle Beach area.
1: River City Cafe. um can i answer with a phrase yes i like licking clam <laughs> uh, we, I'm not even,
0: should we leave it there <laughs> are you gonna give let, us an explanation? let's just
1: let's just say this that the waitresses there are fantastic we love the waitresses there's a couple Oof. that have been there for years that we still catch up with every time we go down <clears throat> this particular one is not there any longer but um She was just talking about her, you know, personal choices, um, and, and some of the things that she enjoyed (laughs) doing. So, you know, that came up in a conversation. Next
0: word. doggy.
1: Conflicted. I mean, doggy is rush dog. John Russell a long-time participant in the event, um, and, and somebody that when we pared down from 16 to 12, um, got left behind um, with some of the, the 16 that, that we could no longer you know manage once we went to 12. Um, Johnny's a good guy I've known him since high school. Um, uh, I'll say this. I don't know that this is Johnny's kind of event. We were probably a little lowbrow for Johnny. Never really. Um, <laughs> Never really loved some of the uh, beer drinking and shenanigans that uh, the rest of us loved um, quite as much. So um, miss him. Hope he's doing well. And um, we'll always have the memories. Love him. Love him.
0: Last one. I don't know. I was, you know, I wanted to, you know, throw some things at you that might make you think a little bit. But how about keys in a
1: trash can? <laughs> <laughs> uh, only Aaron Sachs. <laughs> Could be one of the smartest guys on the trip, but does some of the dumbest things. And that was oh, probably in the first three or four years. We're all, we're all hanging out, getting ready to leave, saying our goodbyes, and Aaron comes running down the steps of the house and Hey, has anybody seen my keys?" And we're like, "Yeah, what do they look like?" He's like, "Well, they're a bunch of keys, but I put them in a plastic bag." And we're like, "What? Yeah, just a plain plastic bag, so I wouldn't lose them." I'm like, "Dude, he we went around the entire house cleaning up. It's in the Throwing trash." Out every plastic. So he ended up digging through like two barrels of trash. Finally, found them, so he could leave. I don't know. I don't know what he would have done if he hadn't found them.
0: Like he he needed those keys to drive his car the eight hours back to Washington D.C. It was absolutely unbelievable.
1: I put him in a bag. (laughs) Like that was the most natural thing in the world.
0: (laughs) He thought we were so weird for throwing out (laughs) every bag of trash in the house. We were vacating a house that's, oh boy, that was something else. All right, buddy, listen, we're at the 27-minute mark. This has been just outstanding. I appreciate you so much for being our first guest. I'm as fired up now as I've ever been to attend Mayhem. I know you've got a few busy weeks ahead of you. I want to thank you so much for your time and joining us on the podcast tonight. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you at the event in a few weeks. Uh, that is a wrap for the Daily Mayhem with your uh, host, Jack Package. Remember, hit him straight or crack a beer and hit another one. We're going to see you in Surfside Beach in a few weeks, Davey. I love
1: you, buddy. All right. Thanks, Johnny. love you. See you in a few weeks. All right, brother.